It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on a Monday, bright, shiny Monday. It's uh, it's a little bit, it's a little chilly out there. Many of us got a little bit of white stuff this weekend, but I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's going to last very long. We'll get that from Paul coming up in about 15 minutes. Bob Rogan's in here along with Susan Littlefield and the prodigal son has returned. Jason Jorgensen back with us here. Let's start with Susan and uh, good morning, Susan. How are you? Good morning. We have a little bit of that white stuff on the ground as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, it, it quite a bit of us got something anyway. So yes. yeah, but it doesn't, I'm hearing 50s and 60s for the weekend. So Hey, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Not doesn't help the whole white Christmas thing, but that's okay. We can get that Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. What do you got for us, dear? Well, we're going to look at uh, 1219 as former Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack talks about milk consumption, and it's become like the popular cool thing again. So we'll have more on that. Then Shaley will step in at 1245 as she has an interview with the Nebraska State Fair Executive Director, Lori Cox. Late on Friday, they had a board of directors meeting, so we'll get an update on that. Then at 117, Bryce comes in as we learn about the competition of greater uh, robot capabilities in agriculture, and that'll take place and wrap up the midday from us. All right, very good. Should be interesting to hear from Lori Cox. That's been something over the last few days. So Yes, it has. All right, thank you. Appreciate thank it, you. Susan. Have yep. a good one. You too. And looky there, Jason Jorgensen back with us. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm glad you could remember where to come <laughs> into the studio. Oh, that's good. You know, at this level, I have had about as great of a week as you, you could have. have, haven't with you? With calling a bowl victory and then Elite Eight and then a national title match. Mm. So. Nice. Yeah. Good, good stuff for sure. And uh, Lopers came up just a game short. Doggone it. They ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw there. They huh? did, uh, you know, but still what a fabulous year. season. A lot yep. of people say that, but I mean... Oh. 38-1, and the only match you lose is in the national championship team to a team who was better than them. Yeah. Uh, Cal State San Bernardino, they are, they're the real deal. The uh, Don't be surprised if you don't hear from them again next year. Most of their team was sophomores and juniors. Right. But I think the Lopers will reload it and be in the mix also. But we will hear from Coach Rick Squires after UNK finishes uh, number two in the country for the second time in school history. Also, we'll talk some Husker men's basketball. Uh, a great sign of Fred Hoiberg can coach and the improvement this team has made. Now, does it continue? Uh, you play Indiana in overtime, and then you pop Purdue, you will get everybody else's best shot, and the Big Ten is loaded with great teams, but where'd that win come from yesterday? No, okay. <laughs> no a much bigger Purdue team, oh, too, yeah. so it showed effort. Also, some bad news. Um, Taylor Kissinger amended she will miss the rest of the season for the Husker women with a hip injury. Talk about someone who's just been oh. you know, beset by one injury after another since her freshman year yeah. in high school. Wow. That's but it, she didn't play enough games, so she should be able to get that year back. Awesome. Well, that's good at least. So, All right. Thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks doing well today. Yeah, stocks are rallying and trading today, rising with the European and several Asian markets. After China, the world's second largest economy, reported surprisingly strong signs of life. Boeing stock was down 4% before the opening on a report that the company may cut production of its troubled 737 MAX or even end production altogether. So those are a couple of the stories heating up the uh, markets today. All right. Very good. That's all coming up on Midday. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network is Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics, joined... 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. we got Paul Perkins in here. And, Paul, I uh, I snuck a look at your forecast for this weekend. It, uh, I like that. That yeah, exactly. pretty nice. Uh, won't be too much snow left after this week. And no. then this weekend will really get rid of a lot of snow if it's even in a pile. It looks like it'll be pretty disappearing pretty quickly. Well, it looked like quite a bit of uh, the state of Nebraska got some snow this weekend. Exactly. Mount. I think about the only area that didn't see a whole lot was some southwestern areas. Okay. But, yeah, central and eastern areas into nearby parts of Kansas seeing quite a, a, a good amount of snow. Uh, a lot of the snow right now falling yeah. over eastern Kansas into south-central Kansas towards Wichita to up to Kansas City. And a report of six inches of snow in Osage City, which is just south of Topeka in eastern Kansas. So getting a fair amount of snow just to our south now. I think they, were they showing uh, the Chiefs game? There was some snow yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah there so. was some snow on that field yesterday. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Big mess for that. <laughs> right now we have most of our temperatures in Nebraska in the upper teens to the low 20s as we see some improving amounts of sunshine. A lot of us getting a filtered sunshine look with some high thin clouds overhead. Still some temperatures in the upper single digits to low teens on into northeastern Nebraska. Norfolk at 13.9 at Wayne. Wayne had our state low last night of 5 below zero. Mm. We also had some sub-zero readings into the Nebraska Panhandle and Alliance still on the chilly level sitting at 13. Otherwise as you head towards Northeast Colorado into much of west and central Kansas. A little less snow cover there, and that's where temperatures have warmed nicely into the upper 20s to the low 30s. But once again, Nebraska, most of us in the upper teens to low 20s. High pressure building in from the west today, gradually clearing our skies out. Temperatures will be mostly about 10 degrees colder than normal. Those southwestern areas of southwest Nebraska and western Kansas, a little less chilly where there's less snow cover. Overnight temperatures once again dropping into the teens tonight. That's because we will get a light northwesterly flow off that area of high pressure to our west and also mostly clear skies. So some light winds and mostly clear skies really helping in the cool down for tonight and the existing snow cover. For tomorrow through the weekend, dry with a warming trend on the way. Decreasing snow cover helping in that warm up. Also a westerly downslope wind off a ridge of high pressure. And then we see a fairly strong Pacific cold front move through Thursday night. But the cool down, very modest with that system since the air will be Pacific and not Arctic. Temperatures will soar into the 50s, maybe even in some locations up around 60, especially over southwestern areas of Nebraska northwest Kansas during the weekend when a massive ridge of high pressure does take hold across the region. Those milder temperatures do look to stick around in our long-term forecast. Warmer than normal temperatures are likely in Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the Midwest this weekend through December 29th. Those warmer than normal temperatures especially likely here in the nation's midsection this weekend and early next week. But it looks like through the Christmas holiday, warmer than normal. Below normal precipitation is predicted for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend and early next week. Now, above normal precipitation is likely towards Christmas through the 29th. But once again, keep in mind those temperatures will be above normal, so it may not be too bad of a a thing there. Key weather factors impacting the markets include possible improvement in Argentina rainfall and varying conditions in Brazil. Northwestern areas of the Midwest, dry conditions will favor late harvest. But eastern and southern areas of the Midwest will have interruptions due to snow and mixed precipitation nearly all late season harvesting of corn and soybeans remains at a standstill due to muddy or snow-covered fields in parts of indiana ohio and missouri for the southern plains the snow offering some moisture for winter wheat higher temperatures are in store in the next seven days across southern brazil 
Scattered thunderstorms should maintain favorable conditions. West central areas have a daily chance for moderate to heavy rain. Dry and hot conditions, though, do remain a concern for minor growing areas of northeast Brazil. Towards Argentina, weekend rain favor more of the soybean belt and less of the corn belt. Key growing areas, though, received only a few light showers while possible, while portions of northern Cordoba and much of Santa Fe have moderate to heavy showers. The next chance for any beneficial rain in Argentina looks to be about Friday. And that's pretty much a check of your ag weather across the area. It's very good. Well, uh, certainly nice to see that our our uh, good weekend uh, trend might come back to us. Yeah, it looks nice. like it will be because uh, um, usually when we see these forecasted highs uh, this far out, mm-hmm. when a massive ridge of high pressure is moving in, they're usually a little more uh, cautious on raising those. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fair amount of locations, at least into the low 60s over the weekend, maybe even into some south-central areas wow. of Nebraska and north-central Kansas. Gee whiz. All right. Very good. And uh, if you didn't know, Pacific better than Arctic. Exactly. So, yeah, so, uh, we, Just a Pacific front Thursday night, so not too a front moving through, but not going to cause us too much in the way of problems. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paula. Appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? That weather tab, krvn.com. You see her, she's putting up hay, pulling calves, or helping lead within organizations. She's a woman involved in agriculture, and we want to recognize her. Now through December 31st, the Rural Radio Network is taking nominations for your favorite women in agriculture to feature throughout the month of January. Help share the impact these women have had on you and your community by sending us her story. You can find more information on how to nominate at krvn.com. The popularity of milk is picking up. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Tom Vilsack, who is the president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, talks about the desire out there for milk consumption. 94% of American households have fluid milk in their, grocery, in their refrigerator, uh, which suggests uh, a continuation of a healthy $100 billion industry. Um, I think you're seeing higher levels of consumption of certain kinds of fluid milk, whole, food, whole, whole milk, um, flavored milk, uh, perhaps a decline in 1% or 2% in low-fat. Uh, I think there's an effort by National Milk to continue to press for, uh, for figuring out ways to improve uh, the school, uh, the, the uh, milk at school. Uh, I think we've done a survey of youngsters, of our consumers in schools, and what we found is that, they, uh, that there are things we can do to improve the product there. Uh, and I know National Milk and, and the DMI are looking at ways in which that can be improved. If butter is at a 50-year high, if cheese is at a record high, then I think it bodes well for the processors that have a wide variety of, wide variety of products that they can sell. Um, and I think, again, domestic consumption for the first time in a while has actually equaled the production increase, which is good news. We actually have seen an increase in consumption. We just, the, the issue has been that it hasn't kept pace with the increase in production. We've been able to produce more than we've domestically consumed, which is why export markets became important. But now we're consuming as much as we're producing, so with exports basically selling more, you're seeing an increase in the price to farmers, and that's good news. And the former Ag Secretary talks about some of the trade negotiation issues that have taken place, not only from Japan, but China and beyond. 
first of all, the issues with Japan have been resolved for the most part. Well, it's not as much as what we would have gotten under TPP. It's 80% of TPP, so at least it puts us at a level playing field. Um, USMCA, once that gets ratified, uh, you know, we're still operating under NAFTA. Te Mexican market's preserved. Canadian market opens up. That's good news. You know, the issue with trade is China. Uh, and the reality is that that was more about the future than it is about the present. In other words, that was a market that would grow and expand. It wasn't a market like Mexico that was already mature. So I don't know how much the trade uh, has to do with all of this, especially since volume is up, value is up, and the percentage of, of dairy exports going or dairy products going into export is up. Um, you know, I, I and and prices for farmers are up. Uh, and 94% of households have fluid milk. So I think this is a, an industry that's got a great product, and, um, and I think uh, with innovation, uh, we're going to continue to see better days. And with global markets comes the need and the desire to talk about how dairy cattle are raised and treated here in the United States. Well, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a positive story where we can essentially distinguish ourselves from our, our friends who like to tell the world that they've got happy cows. Well, we've got cows we care for. Uh, and we have cows that we care for with an internationally certified standard, which is the only internationally animal well, care standard in the world. Uh, it's the farm program, Farmers Assuring Responsible Management. It's a series of measures that the vast, vast, vast majority of farmers are adopting uh, that essentially outlines how best to care for uh, dairy cows and how to document it, and if there's a problem, how to address it. Comments of Tom Vilsack. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Santa's almost here, and the elves at Caravan, the River, and Cami have been busy and are back just in time to help with the Christmas cash crunch. Introducing Holiday Hundreds, where you can win a $100 gift certificate to Sander Furniture, Gothenburg, and North Platte, Bowen Arrow Boutique in Kearney, Plum Creek Marketplace in Lexington, or a $100 steak box at Bruning Grocery. Winners announced on December 31st. Ho, ho, ho! Let's make it rain! Yes. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason in here with me. And uh, history, not only a nice win, but a history-making day yesterday for the Husker basketball team. Yeah, and I think this is what is a statistic that a lot of Nebraska basketball fans didn't realize, me being one mm, of them. Yeah. But before yesterday, they had never had a player with a triple-double before. Hmm. That's, cr that's just amazing. I mean, amazing. you think back over the years, you and I were talking off the air, mm -hmm. you know, Clifford Scales or... Carl Hayes. Yeah, yeah, he would have been a great triple-double right. kind of guy. Hmm. But no, Cam Mack, first to do it yesterday with 11 points, 10 rebounds, career-high 12 assists, as Nebraska played well and beat Purdue 70-56. to And head coach Fred Hoiberg says they were really focused on this one. I really challenged them to, you know, lock in, uh, understand the game plan, exactly what we were doing. Uh, no personnel knew who we were guarding. Uh, and understand where our double teams are coming from, what plays we're going to blitz, what plays we're going to go under, and to go out there and execute the way we did uh, is a huge credit to our guys. Hoiberg made his comments yesterday in the Husker Sports Network. I'll have to admit, I'd pretty much given up on them. I, me too. That performance they had at Georgia Tech was one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen from Nebraska. And then they turn it around. They played great on Friday night at Indiana. Pretty well yesterday. Who knows? Hmm. Young big Ten team. is going to be brutal. Yeah, it'll be brutal. But those were two big teams that they 
matched up okay with, but it, they're young. We're going to see those crappy games. Yeah, I'm I afraid. Think so. <laughs> UNK's magical season came to an end Saturday night as they fell in the Division II national title match, dropping one to top-ranked Cal State San Bernardino in four sets. Lopers finished up the year at 38-1, and head coach Rick Squires says his team just ran into a better opponent. Hard to walk away from this game feeling too bad because I, I just don't know that we could have done anything to beat them. I mean, we'd have had to catch a few breaks and get some help from them, and they just weren't giving it to us. You know, having been, unfortunately, uh, involved with a couple of these, the other one I didn't necessarily feel like that. I thought both teams were probably about the same, and so, you know, there, there was maybe a little bit different feel from that one. But this one, I mean, you're looking across the net going, I don't know who beats those guys. So. He's not wrong. Really? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's right. It sounded like it. it you, they would have had to have some breaks. It yeah, sounded like a few, but this was the first ever D2 national title tilt between two hmm. undefeated volleyball squads. It's the second NCAA runner-up finish in school history for the Lopers. Nebraska, their season came to an end at the hands of Wisconsin yesterday or over the weekend. Sometimes there's just bad matchups, yeah. and Nebraska just did not match up well with Wisconsin. Huskers played them three times this year and were swept all three times. And add another injury to the frustrating list of setbacks that have plagued Taylor Kissinger's basketball career. Women's coach Amy Williams said over the weekend that Kissinger, the junior from Minden, will miss the rest of the year because of a hip injury that will require surgery. Now the good news is, since she's only appeared in five games, she's eligible to apply for a medical redshirt. But very talented player has not been able to stay healthy. Star-crossed, for yeah, sure. Yeah, either in high school or now right. with the Huskers. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. All right, thank you, Jason. The Nebraska State Patrol released more information this morning on the crash. It claimed three lives and left several others injured late yesterday morning on Interstate 80 near Greenwood. At around 11.10 a.m., a trailblazer lost control in the slick conditions. It struck a car and then entered the median and rolled, and then entering the westbound lanes of traffic where it struck another vehicle, and then a pickup struck it. The occupants of the trailblazer have passed away as a result of the crash. They include 19-year-old Domingo Pascual Velasquez and 15-year-old Erica Rafael, along with 10-year-old Heidi Diaz, all of Lincoln. A four-year-old passenger of that vehicle was also transported to the Nebraska Medical Center in critical condition. The driver of the vehicle and a front seat passenger were transferred to an Omaha hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. All of the passengers are related. Five occupants of the Honda Odyssey, all from Minnesota, were transferred to hospitals with non-life-threatening injuries. After preliminary investigation, troopers believed that the occupants of the Trailblazer were not wearing seatbelts. All occupants of the other vehicles were wearing seatbelts, and the investigation remains ongoing. A new $18 million homeless shelter opened in Omaha last week with beds for as many as 400 people. The new Sienna Francis House shelter was built on the site of a former salvage yard in north downtown Omaha. Officials say the new 43,000-square-foot building will be better to able meet the community's needs without having people sleeping on mattresses on the floor. The Sienna Francis House's executive director, Linda Temwe, said that the new facility will allow the organization to provide a variety of services all in one location. Allies and former enemy Germany marked together the 75th anniversary of one of the most important battles in World War II. 
At dawn on December 16, 1944, Adolf Hitler launched a last-ditch offensive to turn the tide of the war after the Allies had pushed German forces back across France, Belgium, and the Netherlands. At first, Hitler's surprise offensive pierced the front line so deeply it came to be known as the Battle of the Bulge. Then American troops launched a counteroffensive, and by Christmas, fortune started to change. After the month-long battle, the move into Germany was unstoppable. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. From Grand Island for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters, and I'm joined here today by uh, Lori Cox, Executive Director of the Nebraska State Fair, coming off of the most recent board meeting. A lot of good discussion around what have been um, some pretty big board meetings leading into the end of the year, Lori, and so I'll just have you open up and give a bit of an overview on what happened in the most recent meeting, and we can get into some of the details after that. Yeah, great. It's good to see you. Um, one of the things that we really are focusing on right now is accounting process and cleaning up that process from the past. So I really talked mostly about what the structure is in place from a ground level approach to AP and AR, making sure that our cash flow is stabilized as much as possible, even though, you know, just like farmers and ranchers, we're all eggs in one basket one, one time a year and trying to make it through these lean months, which is not unheard of, of course, in our business. Uh, our issue that we constantly battle is the fact that we have no other, apart from Exarban Stock Show, sources of revenue throughout the year. So other state fairs have the opportunity, because they own their facilities, would have the opportunity to uh, lease those facilities for all sorts of things, from implement shows to craft shows and, and those kinds of things and we don't have that capacity because we don't own the ground uh, that we sit on so we have that stretch run of lean operations is not unfamiliar to this state fair at all and uh, working through that process um, we really talked a lot about the line of credit uh, it's not a loan it was not a 1.5 or a 1.1 million dollar loan it was a line of credit up to 1.1 million by our banking partners and uh, so far at the end of November we've we've uh, pulled 322,000 out of that line of credit uh, so we're doing pretty well um, until we get that next lottery payment which typically comes just after the first part of February the comment was made in the meeting that along with that there will be an effort made to have that paid off on a regular basis as well correct so uh, we have come to terms with a bank that's um, critically important to them obviously that uh, we will make two payments to pay that down uh, both at the uh, admission of that lottery uh, deposit coming in February and then again after the first quarter wraps up and at the uh, end of March and into April when we receive that next quarterly payment from the lottery so those are the two payment times that uh, we will uh, pay back that line of credit. Let's also talk about, um, of course, coming off the last meeting, there have been some changes made as far as personnel within the Nebraska State Fair, and you guys are now shifting into looking um, at an agriculture director. Maybe talk more about that, what that uh, means, and what you're looking for within that role, and what that means uh, as these changes and transitions are made at the State Fair two points there that I think are really important for people to understand from a fair management perspective is where do we sit in relationship to our mission and our mission is all things agriculture and innovation and technologies surrounding 
agriculture, and then the education of agricultural practices, regardless of what, where you sit in the agricultural industry. So if you are operating um, a poultry plant or you are actually production ag on the ground as a row crop grower, uh, we want to be better at educating the public about what our livelihood that feeds the world looks like. So we have restructured that, what was formerly the livestock department, to encompass all things agriculture, both on the education side, so um, half of their time approximately being spent on education, and the other half on all things exhibitor experience. So that certainly is the livestock, small animal, and uh, equine side of, of our business that is so valuable to us. 4-H and FFA in particular tied into that message where there is a closer continuity between those things that they have going on and our open class competitions, removing those silos so it's not an us versus them uh, mentality, but we're all in this together to educate the public while we have a great time doing it. So that's really where this restructure is coming from. You are in the process of looking for the agriculture director. Uh, is there a timeline? Do you have hopes within that? We would like to fill that actually within 30 days if we can. Um, we've been out already organically looking for um, qualified candidates, and so we'll continue until we find the right one. Speaking of, and you made a comment uh, in the first question I asked you, uh, you don't own the grounds, and that kind of leads right into my next question. A fact sheet is going up. Uh, to the website that is going to address a lot of questions. I think there's been so many questions uh, surrounding, especially coming off this last state fair, and just speculation. You guys are looking to address a lot of that with this new section on your website. Yeah, you know, one of the things, we've actually talked about this before um, a year ago when we had um, people asking a lot of questions, and I think because of the emergence of social media, it's, it's just become so uh, rabid in the last three, four, or five years, uh, it, it becomes more and more necessary for transparency and, and harder to answer questions when uh, people are um, having communications through social media and it's so quick. Uh, so to help our volunteer base uh, answer some of those questions as well as people in the general public, we have initiated an FAQ that tries to capture just about every question we get on a regular basis, and there's a lot of them. It's an eight-page document. Um, and organize that in such a way that uh, people can uh, weed through that and find the section they're most interested in, or if I have a real big question about um, you know, all things critters, I can go to that section and look and hopefully find um, a, a common answer uh, to that question I might have without having to dig much further. So I think it'll be a really good help guide for people who um, have a lot, a lot of misinformation out there right now. Catching up with Lori Cox, Executive Director of the Nebraska State Fair for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. <laughs> Time for the business report here on midday. Ten-year yields are up quite a bit right now, about 3.5%. As we take a look at the overnights, the Japanese Nikkei was down 70. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was down 178. In London, though, the FTSE was up a lot for them, 169 points in the German DAX index. Also up here in the United States, up, up, up. Also green across the board. 
Dow Jones Industrial Average over 28,300 right now. They are 165 points up. The NASDAQ up 94. And the S&P is uh, up 27 right now. To bring us all the good news, here's Bob Brogan. Well, stocks are rallying today, rising with European and Asian markets after China reported surprisingly strong signs of life. Growth in factory activity and retail sales in the world's second largest economy beat economists' expectations for last month. That layered on top of optimism from last week's Phase 1 trade deal between China and the United States is buoying the market a little bit. Meanwhile, um, Boeing, Boeing's stock was down a little bit before the opening bell on a report that the uh, company may cut production of its troubled 737 MAX or even end production altogether. The Wall Street Journal reporting Sunday that Boeing's board was considering its options in meetings that began over the weekend and are continuing. So that whole thing is kind of up in the air there. Shares of the California utility PG&E are down 15.8% in the first day of trading since Governor Gavin Newsom rejected a $13.5 billion settlement with people who lost homes, businesses, or worse. A series of devastating fires has already driven the nation's largest utility into bankruptcy. Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and PSA Peugeot are planning to announce a binding memorandum of, of agreement binding memorandum of understanding that will merge the two car makers. A person briefed on the announcement says a prepared statement on the agreement will be released early Wednesday in Europe. The two companies announced a merger in October that would create the world's fourth largest auto company worth $50 billion and producing 8.7 million cars a year. Those are some of the stories that are kind of kicking the market uh, up there today. Peugeot may like were they the ones who made the, the uh Lay car? I am Oh no, I think that was Renault. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not an expert on that, okay, but all right. I just it, they made the Citroen. Did they? Okay. And maybe they still do. Uh, okay, they're well known for all their amazing cars. Thank you. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our program, The Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you the chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Fontenelle Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deeper into the factors that shape the day's market activity. The Fontenelle Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio 880 KRVN. Just get on the Rural Radio Network and feature this year at the 2019 Nebraska Power Farming Show is an ag bot of sorts. And we have Roger here to tell us a little bit more. But first, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. I understand you work with Purdue University. Now, my name is Roger Tormillon. I'm a faculty member in the Department of Agricultural and Biological Engineering and uh, the advisor to the Purdue AgBot team. So tell us what we're looking at here, what you have on display at the show. What we have is a student-based project. It's a contest where we're asked to d- design a machine that would go through a cornfield autonomously and eliminate three weeds and also fertilize the corn, but doing all of this autonomously. So the three weeds we're asked to identify are cockaber, foxtail, and giant rag- ragweed. So we have up front on our machine, we have six cameras that are t- taking constant video as we drive through the field. And again, the machine's doing this autonomously. And that's feeding into a computer system, so we're identifying those weeds, and then we take that information and feed it to a, a 
our machine on the back, which is our weed elimination system. In our case, we're doing both mechanical and chemical. So if the weed's between the rows, we're using a rototiller type device to get the weeds out. And if it's in the row, then we're applying a chemical, in this case, a specific chemical based on the weed. We are looking at being really specific. So the spray system or the mechanical system only deploys when the weed's present, and that's based on the computer giving feedback to the system. And so we deploy, so we're trying to reduce the amount of chemical we use and the amount of uh, uh, tillage that we would do or that might cause erosion to the field. So we're keeping that at a minimum. And this is part of a broader, it's the AgBot challenge where uh, students are working on these projects to try to face some of the future needs here in the agriculture industry, right? That's correct. So again, we're looking at an opportunity for our students, and we have a team of students every year, roughly about 10 students uh, with different backgrounds. We have students from agricultural, agricultural engineering. We have students maybe from mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, computer science. So we're taking this diverse set of students and their skill set to address this very complex problem where we're dealing with a system where we're dealing with electronics, we're dealing with guidance systems, we're dealing with video and imagery, and then we're getting into applying that and getting rid of the weed, and this, in our case, using chemicals and a mechanical system. And you've actually used this in the field as part of that competition. How did things go? Was it able to identify the weed and take care of it? In our case, our accuracy on weed identification is over 90%, so that's working really well. Actually, in the contest, we were able to deploy the system, or the system deployed itself in this case, and actually did eliminate some weeds. Is it perfect? By no means, but uh, we keep working on the little issues that we have, and so we were fortunate enough that our system was the best one there this year, so we did win the event. Why is it important, do you think, for students at Purdue and other colleges to be working on projects like this? Well, I think uh, for students, it gives them a chance to take a real-world problem, and so in this case, we're looking at how do we apply robotics to agriculture, and so that's something that you know obviously is evolving, but we give our students the chance to say, okay, this is a real issue, one that's coming down the pike, maybe five years away, 10 years away, 20 years away, whatever it may be, but they get a chance to work on real issues and take the skill sets that they've learned in the classes and apply them to a real problem. Roger, I appreciate you giving us this audio tour of this AgBot that Purdue University built. We'd encourage uh, people to learn, learn more. Obviously, check it out because it's talking about the future and the things we might see in agriculture in a, in a relatively near future. If you missed the Nebraska Power Farming Show and would like to see that Purdue AgBot, you can simply visit ag.purdue.edu backslash agbot. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. You see her. She's putting up hay, pulling calves, or helping lead within organizations. She's a woman involved in agriculture, and we want to recognize her. Now through December 31st, the Rural Radio Network is taking nominations for your favorite women in agriculture to feature throughout the month of January. Help share the impact these women have had on you and your community by sending us her story. You can find more information on how to nominate at krvn.com. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we take a look here at our grain settlements, strongly higher across the board. Going forward, though, could we expect to maybe see some profit-taking after a big upswing like this? Yeah, we saw it on the close. You know, you're going to have these kind of two steps forward, one step back type of trade here. Although, the way we traded today, you have to think there's more to go. Uh, 
just the streakiness of the market is, is going to be in vogue here. And I think it's important to be very prepared if you're going to buy to be either underwater very quickly as folks suck it back or, um, you know, have the market essentially, you know, surge higher and, and be careful just to, n- to not chase. And I've seen this a bunch. You know, this is short covering at its finest. We're seeing spreads collapse, which is good. Um, obviously, the market's in an appetite to buy, not just on the spec side. We're trying to figure out what the balance sheets are going to look like for 2020. I mean, at this point, those are all unknown. So we're kind of flattening the decks right now. So my advice to everybody is just be patient, uh, especially in a market like corn. Soybeans, too, as well. You have delivery pressure. It, this is the time of the year. These next two weeks are when a lot of bushels are going to get priced. Uh, then I think you'll see it shut down. As, as folks kind of start the year, they're going to know what they have, and they'll work from that, and then the next selling time will be at the end of, end of February. So I'd, I'd be patient to buy right now. I'll be buying corrections if you can get a chance, and then be looking to sell you know, back end of January, early part of February. That's the game plan I'm going to go with. In terms of that global balance sheet, we see Argentina's new government come in and up the export tax on soybeans, corn, and wheat. What does that mean for U.S. exporters? It's good. I mean, it's a, it's, it's comp- it, it raises the price that they're offering to the rest of the world. So there's two different ways the market can, can help us on those, in those instances. The first one would be a tax. It's going to tack on a gain that uh, somebody's going to have to pay. The other would be a, a stronger currency. And we're seeing both of those happen here. The dollar is getting whacked a little bit here with the China news. You know, it's really not positive for the dollar um, as far as... Uh, you know, longer run, I think it's it's something that the U.S. is going to need to compete. And um, I don't know if it's enough to really get the market to surge. You know, you're talking about 50 to 100, 150 million bushels and a change in the carryout. But it is something, I think, in the longer run that uh, should should keep prices here stable. Keep in mind, we are 20, 30 cents higher than we were a year ago at this time. So, again, I think there's a lot of upside here, specifically in the, in the soybean market, if they're going to be buying a lot. But uh, short covering will only take us so far. We need to actually see some news. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing. You can learn more as well. Sign up for their newsletter at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Sponsored by Devaney Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.